Thanks for checking out the First Monroe Podcast. Our hope is that you are restored by the gospel as you live devoted to Jesus. Uh, just a quick question. Does uh, anybody remember, it's back in the summer of 2018, does y'all remember when the boys' soccer team was trapped in the caves in Thailand. Does anybody remember that, that scene that happened? And so back in 2018, in the summer, these boys, a soccer team, it was 12 boys, as one coach, I believe he was about the age of 25, and they're exploring these caves, and it begins to rain, and the rain causes the caves to flood, and so this soccer team is trapped. Um, I'm sure you've heard the story. There's documentaries that have gone on about this. The Rescue, 13 Lives. I think uh, Netflix just put out a new series just on this whole rescue mission. I remember hearing the story. I remember reading about it. But even this week, I was kind of studying up on this story. And I want to read you this thing, just the amazement of all that went, all that it took in order just to rescue these 12 boys in this coach. So I want to read you to what it took in order to rescue them. It says this, the rescue efforts involved as many as 10,000 people including more than 100 divers, scores of rescue workers, representatives from over 100 government agencies, 900 police officers, 2,000 soldiers, 10 police helicopters, 7 ambulances, more than 700 diving cylinders, and pumping more than 1 billion liters of water from the cave were required. It was a lot of effort that went in to save these boys, these 12 boys and their coach. And I was thinking about this. I mean, we love stories like this, don't we? I mean, this is why they make documentaries. This is why Netflix picked it up. Because we like stories like this. They do something to us. Just, man, just think about, man, there's, I mean, really when you look at the story, there's, there's no way that these boys and this coach were, were probably going to be able to make it out alive. And yet what's crazy is the whole story, all the great lengths they went to rescue them, and they saved every single one of these boys and their coach, which is just crazy. To think of the courage that it took to do this, think of the sacrifice it took. Actually, one of the divers died as he was going to do this. Another diver actually died a year later because of complications he had from the cave. And so when we hear stories like this, I mean, I think they move us, they do something to us. And here's what I want to kind of just look at this morning. While this is a great, powerful rescue story, there is a rescue story that's even more exciting, more heart-moving than this story of the soccer team, and that's the story of Christmas. And so if you take notes this morning, I want to give you just kind of the main point up front of this is what I want us to see this morning. It's simply this. The Christmas story demonstrates the great lengths that God was willing to go in order to rescue humanity. We think about rescue stories. We love rescue stories. Well, that's the story of Christmas. That God went to such great lengths in order to rescue humanity. And so what I want to do, I just want to look at uh, three verses in Matthew chapter 2 to see this, the great lengths that God was willing to go to in this theme of rescue, of that he wants to rescue us. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 2, look in verse 13. I'll read verses 13, 14, and 15. Here's what it says. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets, Out of Egypt I have called my son." 
Now, what's interesting about this, it says this in the beginning of verse 13. It says, now they had departed. And when it says they had departed, meaning the wise men. So if you remember the wise men, they had seen a star. They knew there was this coming king. They had heard of this. And so they traveled great lengths in order to see the baby. Now, we know this based on study and historical things. It's probably the wise men did not arrive right when Jesus was born. It was probably months, maybe even a year later when they appeared. And so they appeared to, and actually Herod had actually recruited them to be kind of this insider information and says, hey, look, I want you to scope out who they are. And then when you come back, I want you to report all these things because he says, I want to come worship. Now Herod had no intentions of worshiping the child. Well, in a, in a dream, basically, and it, through the signs, the wise men get that they, hey, we don't need to go back to King Herod, so they depart. And then what it tells us in the text that basically this angel appears to Joseph in a dream and warns them to depart that very night and to go to Egypt. Now, I think it's very interesting that they have to pack up in this moment, leave by night. Herod, what's basically going to happen, Herod's going to try to kill all newborn children from two and under. He says, depart this very night and go to Egypt. Now, here's what I think is strange about this whole scene. The Christmas story involves Egypt. They could have gone anywhere. They could have gone anywhere that God could have told them to depart. But why did God tell them Egypt? It's very interesting that God tells them to depart from Egypt. And actually, most of, of Jesus' first early memories were in Egypt, which I think is very interesting. And here's my question. Why? Like, why did God send them to Egypt? That seems very interesting. It seems like, I mean, you could have sent them anywhere. But why would you send them to Egypt? Well, Matthew actually tells us this. And there's a purpose behind why God sent them to Egypt. The purpose is, is because it was to fulfill prophecy. Look at the very last verse. And it says, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. He says, out of Egypt I have called my son. Now this prophecy comes out of Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. I want to read you there what's quoted in Hosea. And here's what Hosea says. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. Now, this book of Hosea, we're not going to go through it, but it is reporting of, God, of Israel's unfaithfulness. But in this verse, God is reflecting back on Israel. And he's reflecting back on of when he called them out of Egypt and brought them to be his, his son. And this is one of the things. And, and I think just to go along with it, if you've been with us, we've been walking through the book of Exodus. And so as we've been walking through the book of Exodus, we've seen this before, is that God actually refers to Israel as his son. But one thing that I think that's interesting is Matthew is picking up on this. If you'll remember this, we actually walked through Matthew a long time ago. And Matthew is the most Jewish of all gospels. And so he's writing this with a Jew in mind. So the Jews, when you think about it, of course we have good context because we've been going through the book of Exodus. If they would have heard Egypt, it would have perked up their ears. They would have been like, why is he talking about Egypt here? Because they knew the scene that took place in Egypt. And so basically what... what what Matthew's trying to do is point to the Exodus event to say, hey, this was just a foreshadowing. What Hosea is saying in this prophecy referred to Israel, but it actually referred to something even more. And what he's trying to point to is that Jesus is about to bring about a new Exodus. So if you were to go back, remember, God redeems and rescues Israel out of Egypt. And what he's saying in this moment is that Jesus Christ the King has come to bring about a brand new exodus, not just for Israel, but for all of the world. And so basically what he's saying is that Jesus came as this rescue mission in order to rescue and redeem his people and all of humanity. And so here's what I'm going to do just really quickly. I want to show you two things in this of how the Exodus story and how the Christmas story, how they have so much in common and what both Exodus and Christmas reminds us. Okay, So if you take notes, just two quick points is this. Number one is that you need rescue. Exodus reveals us this. 
the Christmas story reveals us this, that every single one of us, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you've grown up, all of us in this room, if you're watching online, all of us need rescue. I want you to go back. I won't go back all the way, but I want you just to think about the Exodus. Israel was in desperate need of rescue, weren't they? They had been slaves for over 400 years under the oppression of the Egyptian. They had stayed there. They had had all of this oppression. They were crying out. If you remember the very beginning of the book of Exodus, they're crying out. God, save us, rescue us, redeem us. They were in desperate need of rescue. And one of the things that Exodus points to and the Christmas story points to is in the same way you and I need rescue too. I want to read this verse from Paul. This is actually Titus chapter 3, verse 3. Now I want you to notice how Paul refers to before we came to know Jesus. And here's what he says. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our day in malice and in envy, hated by others and hating others. He says, look, this is just the case. All of us were slaves. All of us are slaves to sin. Scripture repeats this over and over again. And all of us know this, don't we? I mean, I think all of us, it doesn't matter whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, all of us know that something's wrong. Something's wrong with us. I mean, you just look, just look inside of you, right? There's brokenness inside of all of us. I mean, I, I was thinking even of, of the Christmas season. It's one of those most joyous times. But also Christmas, I think, is also a stark reminder is that there's a lot of brokenness, right? We're faced at Christmas. It seems like everything's escalated. Our grief, our pain, our brokenness, our families, our friends. It's like we're reminded of this, of the brokenness that exists inside of us. We do things that aren't good. We know that they're not good for us, but we do them anyway. We keep running back to these things. I was thinking like we break our own law. Like one of the things, and this is silly. I don't know why I did this. But like Kirsten and I over the whole, after Thanksgiving, all of December, I kept saying like, hey, I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat really good. I'm going to be ready for Christmas. You know, you know what happened? None of that happened at all. Like I've been super off track on my eating, on working out and all of this. And like what's crazy is like not only do I break God's law, I break my law. Like I'm like, starts Monday. Monday is when it starts. Monday rolls around, it doesn't start. I'm like, nah, we'll wait till Tuesday. And then I wait till the next day. And so like even think about this, like not only do we have a trouble keeping God's law, we have a trouble keeping our own. We can't even keep our own word to ourselves. We have selfish desires in our hearts. We have misplaced passions, jealousy, envy, pain, hurt. All of these things show us that something is wrong within us and we all need rescue. And so here's what we do. We try popularity. We try getting better clothes. We try money. We try status. We try bigger houses. We try more stuff. We try vacations, knowledge, school, degrees, new job. We even try religious activity. We try any and everything to try to cause the pain to stop in us. The brokenness that we find, we try to find things to fix them. And here's the problem. None of these things work. They actually make it worse. They escalate our unhappiness and our pain and all of these things. And here's what the Christmas story reminds us and the Exodus story reminds us. No matter who you are or where you were born, you are in desperate need of rescue. You don't need an upgrade. You don't need tweaks to yourself. You need complete and utter restoration of your life. There is something broken inside all of us. And the Christmas story reminds us that we need rescue and that someone came to rescue us. So that leads us to number two. Jesus is the means of rescue. If you go back to Israel and Exodus, they were under slavery of Pharaoh. And the question is, how did God rescue Israel? And there's only one answer, and that is by God and his power. It wasn't anything Israel could do. They couldn't cause these things to happen. God and his power had to intervene in order to free and rescue them. If you remember, he sent the ten plagues. 
to demonstrate his power, to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he would let, let the people go. And that God uses all of these plagues in order to set Israel free. And the climax of all of these plagues gets to the death of the firstborn son. And the only way that Israel can be rescued is by what? The death of a spotless lamb. That Israel was to slaughter a lamb. And these lambs, they were to put the blood on the doorpost. And this is what is to set them free. And this is what sets them free. And all of these things were a foreshadowing to the Christmas story. That Christmas reminds us that Jesus is the means of our exodus. That what grants us passage through the sea. That what gets us out of slavery. That what frees our hearts and heals our brokenness. Is the same spotless blood of the Lamb which is Jesus. That he is the means of our rescue. I want to read this. This is Titus chapter 3 and this is verse 4 and 7. After he talks about all these things. Jealousy and envy. Slaves to passions. says this in verse 4. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. He says, what saved us? And it was God's goodness and loving kindness when Jesus Christ was born. That he was sent on a rescue mission to redeem and rescue our hearts. That this is the whole point of the Christmas story. That God sent Jesus to rescue you. That you couldn't rescue yourself. I couldn't rescue myself. We needed someone else to do this. In just a second, we're about to partake of the Lord's Supper. And one of the things that we usually do the Lord's Supper around Christmas time is because it reminds us the Christmas story didn't stop at the Christmas story, but it leads us to the Easter story. Where Jesus Christ, the spotless blood of the Lamb, will die on a cross... His blood, the spotless lamb's blood will be shed for us. That he will die in our place. He will take our wrath and our judgment. The weight of our sin was on him. And God punished Jesus like it was us. And he died, was resurrected, and it's because of Jesus that we can now be free and set free from all of our sinfulness. That you can be set free from you, your brokenness, your pain, all of these things. And I was thinking about just this, the Christmas story. And that was the, kind of the word, even as I was thinking of Egypt and Exodus, I just kept thinking about this idea of, of rescue. The great lengths that God went to in order to save us. The way he manipulated nature, changed history, all throughout the centuries, that God did all of these things in order to bring about Jesus. The great lengths he went to. I love Paul Tripp in his uh, Christmas devotion. I want to read to you the way he sums it up, which is beautiful. He says this. Here is what the Christmas story is all about. A willing Savior is born to rescue unwilling people from themselves because there's no other way. Jesus was willing to leave the splendor of eternity to come to this broken and groaning world. He was willing to take on human flesh with all of its frailty. He was willing to endure a humble birth in a stable. He was willing to go through the dependency of childhood. He was willing to expose himself to all the hardships of life in this fallen world. He was willing to submit to his own law. He was willing to do his Father's will at every point. He was willing to serve when he deserved to be served. He was willing to be misunderstood and mistreated. He was willing to endure rejection and gross injustice. He was willing to preach a message that would cause him personal harm. He was willing to suffer public mockery. He was willing to endure physical torture. He was willing to go through the pain of his Father's rejection. He was willing to die. He was willing to rise and ascend to be our constant advocate Jesus Christ was willing. Man, the great lengths that God went to in order to rescue me and you. That should humble us. 
to think of all the things. I mean, when I was reading that, that he was willing to go through the dependency of childhood. Isn't that crazy? Like he went went through everything we've gone through. He's gone through every, he's he's faced every pain we've we've experienced. It's one of those things, you know, what's the name of Christmas? Emmanuel, God with us. Because I think sometimes we have these questions. I don't know if you had these questions. When you encounter pain in your life, we usually ask God this question. You don't, God, why? And we usually have this idea of like, God, you can't understand. You don't understand what it's like. And God says, I do. I mean, Jesus Christ, God himself came to live and he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to experience brokenness. He knows what it's like to experience sadness and grief and pain and hurt of this fall. He knows, but he came to these things in order to rescue us from them. And man, I was thinking of, man, I pray that this Christmas holiday as we celebrate today as you eat, all the things that you do today, would you remind yourself of this constant truth, the great length that God went to in order to save and rescue you? So here's the question and then I'll pray. Have you experienced this rescue? God went to great lengths to rescue you, but have you been rescued? Have you ever trusted in the gospel and trusted in what Christ has done for you? If you have, my, here, here's what I ask of you to do this morning. Rejoice in that. Remind yourself of that and rejoice today that you've been rescued. But if you have not been rescued today, what I would ask of you today is, man, believe the gospel today. That God in his grace and his love sent Jesus born of a virgin. Born in a stable, born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. He did that in order to rescue you from yourself and from your sinfulness. Would you believe the gospel today? The great lengths that God went to in order to save people like you and me. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And Lord, it is a humbling, humbling truth. God, to be reminded of all the ways that you humbled yourself, that you were born as a baby. And you did all these because you loved us, because you knew the way that sin had destroyed everything. And Jesus, you came to redeem us from all of that. The hurt and the pain that sin has caused in our life, in our families, in our friendships, at work, in this world. God, I I pray that as we just stop today, God, that we'll be blown away by all that you have done for us in Jesus. God, I pray these truths of Christmas, the truths of Easter, um, God, I pray we wouldn't get over them. God, I pray you would even in these moments pull us from our apathy. God, our familiarity with these stories. And God, once again, Holy Spirit, I pray you would remind us of the wonder of Christmas, the wonder of the rescue story. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for providing a way of salvation to us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.